Well, we have some amazing moms at Springhouse, do we not? Happy Mother's Day. It's very, very special. You're not one of those moms, Cole, but you do have an amazing mom, Cole. I do know your mom, and uh, she is amazing. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Guys, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for joining us. Don't mind these people behind me. This is just my roadies out here trying to set some things up for us and uh, so that we can get ready for uh, a a time together, uh, hopefully where the Lord is going to really speak to us uh, this this morning. Uh, Last week, week was an amazing time, was it not? Did you have a good time with the worship service outdoors? Uh, I, I, uh, I do not take for granted that those things do not just appear out of nowhere. We have a team of people behind the scenes that work very hard to make things like that happen. So could we show our appreciation to everybody who worked behind the scenes to make the outdoor worship service happen? Uh, we were so, we were so uh, blessed to have that time together, and uh, I'm excited to, to, uh, to do that again at some point. Also, uh, this, uh, I guess this weekend, uh, there's a celebration in the White home. This is Wyatt uh, uh, White, and uh, congratulations to Cheyenne and Margaret White and, uh, and their new baby. So we do celebrate babies that are born, and uh, we're excited about what's going on in, in, in their lives. Well, We're going to continue our series today. We're going to continue our series today uh, called Simple. And uh, that's ironic. Um, Simple. And uh, we're going to be drawing from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, Paul's writing this letter to the church of Colossae. And uh, and we've been paralleling uh, our our series and drawing concepts from from the book uh, book of Colossians. And I do want to continue to encourage you, read from the book of Colossians during this series. There are powerful nuggets in the book of Colossians. If you will grab a hold of them, God will do some transformative things in your life through the book of Colossians. I believe that Paul's letter to the Colossians is powerful. And we're drawing some simple concepts, some simple things from from there. And what I love what Paul does in this letter is he doesn't just shine a mirror in their face and say, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. No, he reminds them of the things that they already know. And church, uh, throughout this series, it has been my goal and my objective that we remind you of things that you actually already know. But maybe we have made life and our walk so complex that we've forgotten the main thing to make the main thing the main thing. And so we're going to continue into our series. On week one, we talked about theology. And theology is uh, basically the study of God or what you believe uh, uh, in God. And, uh, and we, we, we summed it up in, in one sentence. And, and really, I believe that this simple truth is very powerful. And that is this, God is love. God is love. And, and so our theology and what we base things on uh, in terms of our walk with the Lord is founded in the truth, in the principle that God is love. Everything is motivated. All of his, his relationship with us, when he communicates to us, uh, when, we're, when, uh, when he does things for us, it's all fueled by his love. And then we talked about the next week about God's plan. And as we are wired to be selfish, we are wired to, to look at ourselves. Anytime somebody says, hey, we're going to talk about God's plan, we automatically think, well, that must mean that we're talking about God's plan for me, God's plan for my life. But what we learned is that God's ultimate plan, while he does have a plan for your life, and we're going to touch on that today, God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. 
And so today we're going to talk about Christian ministry, and hopefully it's going to be fun. So let's stand and let's read, continuing in the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. Let's read together. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you in fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is." Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings life, God. I thank you that it is alive and active. And today, Father, I ask that the, the simplicity of your truth, Lord, will resonate with us and change us for all eternity, God. Lord, let us grab hold of the truth and let us do something with it today. I trust you, Lord, with this service and our time together, and we trust you in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about ministry. What do you think about when you think of the word ministry or minister or, or uh, our vocational ministry. When we think of ministry, a lot of us think of people who have notoriety. We think of pastors or preachers or somebody who's on staff at a church. We oftentimes think of, of maybe famous people who travel to deliver the gospel. When we think of ministry, we also might think of missionaries. We might think of people who are holding orphans or, or going out and feeding the hungry. We might, we might think of all of these things. And, and because of the way that we think, um, and, and, and we categorize all of these, uh, these people in these, these, different, um, these different ways when we think of ministry, we tend to think to, in that way and, and, and we exclude ourselves from the umbrella or the label of ministry. Ministry as a profession, ministry in terms of somebody earning their keep or their job, that is called vocational ministry. But guess what? A, a, a very, very, very small minority of Christians who are a ministry are actually in vocational ministry. A very small minority of people who, are, who call themselves Christians are in vocational ministry. 
And so there's a tendency when we see ministry, we tag these people and we walk away from it and say, well, that ministry must be for them. But ministry by definition, and what we're going to use today is ministry is what God has called you to do for people. Ministry is what God has called you to do for people. So by definition, all of you are full-time ministers. Congratulations. Everyone here is in ministry. Okay? Now, does it have to be tied to your vocation? No, it does not have to be tied to your vocation. But it very much might be that the thing that you're doing for your 40, 50, 60 hour work week may be the place that God wants to use you to minister. And so we have a tendency to separate everything that we do and we tend to put in a box over here, this is just what my ministry is supposed to be, but everything else in my life doesn't matter. But no, everything that we do is supposed to honor Christ. We are supposed to walk in such a way that exemplifies Christ in our coming and our going and our speaking to one another and the way that we treat each other and the way that we correspond with our families. My ministry did not start on February 1st, 2021, when I became lead pastor of Springhouse Church. In fact, when I asked the Lord to show me and remind me when my ministry, when I felt like, okay, I am actually called to be in ministry, I asked him to show me a time and actually wasn't even here at Springhouse at all. Many of you know that I'm also the, uh, the headmaster of Lancaster Christian Academy. And before I was the headmaster, before I was the uh, assistant principal, a teacher at Lancaster, the Lord had something in mind for my life and ministry for me actually happened before that. For me, ministry started at a fast food restaurant called Chick-fil-A. Who likes Chick-fil-A? For me, the recognition, the recognition of God's call on my life and that I was to actually be ministering throughout my day started at Chick-fil-A. And it didn't start when I was a general manager. It didn't start when I was the manager or the assistant manager or a team leader. It started when I was an ordinary team member. And actually, the Lord pointed me back to, it actually started on my second or third day at Chick-fil-A. And I've shared this story before. And it started with a broom. It started with a broom. The scenario was this. I had asked the Lord, if you will give me this job, God, I will give you everything of me while doing it. I will serve you with excellence and I will use this as a platform to point people to you. Now, don't you know that sometimes we pray a prayer like that, but we don't really mean it. We get the job and then we forget that we prayed the prayer. Anybody? Okay. God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. But I actually meant it and I actually remembered it. And I remember it was my second or third day uh, on the job and it was a Saturday and I was standing by the fry machine and we had about 12 or 15 people there working in that small area and there was a low on business. And so I was standing there and I had a thought that dawned on me, man, I don't wanna just be standing here doing nothing. I feel like I need to be doing something or I'm gonna, I'm, I feel like I'm stealing the company's money. I feel like a thief. And so I, I had that internal thought. And so I went and I grabbed a broom and I went to the end of the store and I just started to sweep the floor. And as I'm sweeping the floor, as everybody's kind of hanging out or whatever, the manager at the time comes out on the side and says, I want everyone to look at Kevin right now. <laughs> Maybe if some of you would take a beat from Kevin, we would actually get some things done around here. 
Let me tell you, I was popular after that, big time. Everybody just loved me. Everybody just wanted to be my best friend. No, my first touch point with ministry and doing the right thing and honoring the Lord was faced with adversity. How many know that whenever you start to recognize that you're in ministry and you start to step out in ministry, you're probably going to be faced with adversity? You're going to be faced with hard things because the culture goes anti against anything that is kingdom. And when you're in the ministry, you're going toward the kingdom. You start doing kingdom principles and kingdom things. And so my first touch point in ministry actually was faced off with adversity. But here's the crazy thing about it. What I didn't know at the time was within that same time frame, I was going to meet a guy named Isaac and a girl named Arwen, and they were going to invite me to a church called Smyrna Assembly because God had a plan 20 years later for my life that I didn't know back at Chick-fil-A when I grabbed the broom. And so here I am as lead pastor of the church. I had no idea that was going to happen back then. I'm glad that I didn't. See, God will use the adversity that you go through for his glory and his good. If you're willing to step out and do the right thing, how many of us are bold enough in our walk to actually stand up for what is right? How many of us are actually bold enough in our faith to actually not go to the water cooler and gossip about that person? To actually be faithful enough to show up to work on time. Oh, this is fun, isn't it? Y'all ready to have fun today? Come on, come on. And so I would be remiss to talk about ministry today if I didn't also talk about calling. God has a call on your life. Most of the time, calling answers the question what, ministry answers the question who. God has called me to be lead pastor of Springhouse Church. My ministry is to you all. God has called me to be an elementary teacher. My ministry is to the students. God has called me to feed the homeless. My ministry It's to the homeless, okay? So you get the idea. So calling usually answers the question what? Ministry usually answers the question who? And because ministry deals with people, ministry is messy. Ministry is messy. I hate to break it to you, but the person you're sitting next to right now who you're head over heels for is messed up. The person you're sitting next to, like we used to say back in the day, is jacked up from the floor up. They are messing. And guess what? So are you. So are you. Listen, if I don't get another amen today, can we just amen the fact that everyone here is messed up? Are we messed up? Okay. Praise God. Let's go home. We know we're messed up. We need the grace of Jesus today. Okay. You are. You are messed up. And so am I. I am broken. I'm a mess. Sherry's out here. She's pouring out her heart, posting those pictures. That's the reality. Those pictures, that's the reality. She didn't have to try to find, to, to pose those pictures. That's the reality of life. Social media is not the reality, folks. Social media, what we post on social media has been doctored, filtered, 32 takes, right? This didn't go right. No, that's not the reality. The reality is the reality, and the reality is that we are a mess. Am I right, Kevin? We're a mess, right? Okay. People are broken. People are broken, but that does not negate the truth that you have been called by God. You have been called by God. Everyone in this room, everyone in this room, everyone who professes to believe in Jesus Christ, who calls himself a Christian, and who will follow Jesus is called. 
And if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you are also called, you just don't know it yet. Everyone is called. Everyone is called. And at the very core of your calling is this commission to go and make disciples. When Jesus leaves the earth and goes to heaven, he faces off 11 of the disciples and he says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do. Now, was that commission just to the 11 that was standing in front of him? No, it wasn't because we have proof over and over and over and over in in the New Testament, especially through Paul's writing of disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And here we are thousands of years later, and we still have the commission to be making disciples. Pastor Jonathan Evans was here and he talked about we have a job to do. We should be building the kingdom. We build the kingdom one disciple at a time. And so Paul He is stating in this passage in Colossians, he's saying that my goal in my ministry, Paul's ministry to the Colossian church and to Laodicea and to the Corinthians and to Ephesians, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, what is the mystery of God? The mystery of God, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of God is the hope that we have, that Christ is in you, and he is, that is the hope of glory. So friends, you have been called, and you have been called by God. It's not a question of whether you've been called. It's a question of what specifically you have been called to. So I have Kevin's box of ministry. Everybody's got a box of ministry. This is a Kevin-shaped, I know it's a box, a square, but this is a Kevin-shaped box. The things that are inside here are tailor, custom-made by God for Kevin. The things that God has called me to do, my ministry, the things in this box are just for Kevin O'Day. And guess what? All of you have a box too. My box right now in this season of my life has four essential things inside it. First, the Lord has called me to be a husband to my wife, Sherry. That's my first, that's my first thing I'm called to do. Next, he has called me to be a father to Hadassah, Lucia, Ruby, and Nora. He has also called me to be a pastor of Springhouse Church. And finally, he has called me to be headmaster over at Lancaster Christian Academy. So God has called me to do these four things. And these four things inside this box, these four things, God has given me absolutely everything that I need to accomplish these things is in this box. Everything that I need to be equipped to do these things well is in here. God does not call someone who he does not equip. So everything I need is right in here. So as a believer in Christ and somebody who is called to the ministry, if I will just stand and trust God and I will say yes to these things and only these things, then my life will be filled with peace. I will be able to walk in the fullness of Christ with my family as a pastor of this church and as the headmaster of Lancaster Christian Academy, because those are the things I believe God has called me to. But something happens along the way while we have this box of ministry is 
other people come and they try to add things to our box. Have you ever had somebody come and try to add something to your box? And so, and it's not that they're bad things, but people come with relationships, relationships that I'm not really, we're not really called to, and we, we put them in the box. People come and they want you to join their clubs or their organizations and be a part of that because they see something in you and, you know, man, you're just equipped to do this. You look like a good administrator. Why don't we put that in there? We want you to join committees. Can you be a part of this committee and this committee and this committee and this committee and this meeting? And you just put that in the box. And all the other ministries, could you be a part of 52 different ministries, please, this week and meet on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday morning and Wednesday night, all these things. And we put this in the box. And the problem is, is that the equipping that's in this box is only for the things that I've been called to. The tools in this box are only for the things that God has told me to do. But what I, what we do when we add to the box is we attempt to take the tools that he's given us for the things that we're called to, and we try to use those tools for the things that we're not called to. So both things suffer. And as both things suffer, we get exhausted, we get frustrated, we wonder what's going on, and then we begin to sacrifice things. But what do you think is the first thing to go? Isn't it interesting to me? I don't think anybody in this room would disagree that our first ministry is to our family. Our first ministry is to our family. But why is it that when we make the mistake of adding too much to the box, the first thing to be sacrificed is our family? The first thing to be sacrificed are the people that we love and the people that we're called to the most. And so we begin to draw out of this box the things that are supposed to be in this box and we grow frustrated and we don't feel fulfilled. And we begin to, we begin to just completely just start to faint in our walk because, because we just are not close to the Lord and we're not growing in him because we've exhausted ourselves and doing a bunch of things that we're not supposed to do. God has called you to specific things. Stop putting other people's calling in your box. Stop putting other people's expectations from God in your box. We have a rule. If you've been on a leadership team with me, uh, I've I've had the privilege to work with amazing leaders uh, in this church and in other areas. If you're on a leadership team with me, the leaders who have worked with me for some time know this very, very clear. If you come to me with an idea, you are also coming with the idea that you're gonna lead that thing, not me. I don't need you to come and tell me what God's told you so that I can do it. I've got enough in my box. I've got what God's called me to do in a box and I don't need the things that God's called you to do to be a part of my box. Does that make sense? So we have the things in our box uh, that we do, but, but we do something else as well with our, with our calling and our ministry. What we do is we compare boxes with other people. Why is Bob's box bigger than my box? Doesn't God trust me like he trusts Bob? Wait, Bob has a meeting on Monday night and 100 people come, but I try to do my meeting on Thursday night and only three people show up? Why does the pastor support Bob and he doesn't support me? Why does Bob have 24 things in his box and I only have four or the other way around? Why do I only have, why do I have 20 things and Bob only has to do four? There's a story in the New Testament, Matthew 20, Jesus tells about this field and this master owns the field and he, and he hires this person at 9 a.m. and he says, I'm going to pay you this amount of money, specific amount of money. And he hires somebody at noon. 
and he hires somebody at five in the afternoon. And at the end of the day, it's time for them to collect their payment. And he starts with the person he hires at five and he pays them the same amount that he hires the person at nine o'clock. And the people at nine o'clock look and say, what's going on here? How is this fair? I've been working all day long and you paid me the same thing as you paid the person at five o'clock. And the owner of the field says, wait a second, I haven't done you wrong at all. I gave you exactly what I told you I was gonna give you. It's my money. Shouldn't I be able to do with it what I want to do? Stop comparing yourself to other people. God's promises and the way he will reward you for the things that you've done, he has communicated to you and he will be faithful to those things. But when we compare ourselves to somebody else, then we taint our ability to receive and own the things that God has given us in the ways that he's rewarding us. Stop comparing yourself. What Sean is able to carry, I'm not able to carry. What Ronnie's able to carry, I'm not supposed to carry. What Luke is called to do, I'm not called to do. And what I'm called to do, Sandy's not supposed to do. We are all called. And if we will all function in our calling and our purpose, then the kingdom will be advanced. The kingdom of God will be advanced. And so what we do, though, as we have this calling in our life, in these ministries, we're also subjected to this culture in this world that says, you must climb just in this ladder of success. You must make sure that all your ducks in a row, because the first thing we get hit with is as we, as we get, as we're grafted into the kingdom and we start, well, where's your security going to come from? Where's your security going to come from? Now, you know, you got a, you got a family to feed. Some of you who aren't married, you're like, you know, you're going to get married. You're going to have a family. You're going to need to feed them. So you need to get some, some, some security. Well, with security, I guess we're going to need to make some money, right? We need to make some money and you need to make enough money because making enough money for right now is not enough. We need to make money so we can store it up to make sure that we get the boat that we want and the, and the camping equipment that we want and the, and the bicycle that I'm wanting and then store it for retirement. So, you know, we just want to make sure that we're secure just in case God, God forgets about us, right? So, I mean, we just want to store up. So we'll just store up and, and keep everything uh, uh, stored up so that we can have money because, you know, with money comes comfort, right? So the world says, you know, store up all this money and get everything ready because your comfort depends on your security and your money, right? So you got this comfort in place and you start to continue, you start to feel good. And all of a sudden, as you get comfortable in what you're doing, you're offered a position within the world. Oh, wait a second. Man, my talent? <laughs> they want me? Who, me? Oh, praise God. Thank you, God, for this position in the world. Thank you, God, for this thing. Oh, this is so great. Okay, man, I, 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 with, this, with this comes a position. Wow. Okay, and once you have your, your position, boy, then we start to get power. Yeah, now we start to get power. And as we get power in the world's eyes, we're climbing this ladder and we're heading somewhere. And as we have power, we start to have influence. Boy, we don't want to lose our influence, do we? Boy, money, comfort, position, power, influence. Man, and after all that power and influence, man, I like to be known. Yeah, we become famous. I like walking in a room and everybody's like, Kevin, hey man, everybody knows me. I'm the cat's pajamas, right? Got new kicks on today. Everybody's looking at me, right? Got the security, the money, the comfort, the position, the power, the influence, the fame. And all of this in the world leads me to worldly success. 
And so we just climb this ladder for this worldly success. And we get up here. Hope the church has a good insurance policy. Okay. (laughs) And we get up here to worldly success. And we're up here and we're all alone. We made it. Here I am. I'm successful. But guess what? You see that box down there? Nothing about that has changed. No matter how hard I work to be successful in the world, God's calling is irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. So that means no matter how much you run from God, his calling for your life doesn't change. What he has assigned you and wired you to do, it doesn't change. So while we're wasting time climbing the world's ladder, the people we're supposed to be ministering to are moving forward in their life without your input and God being able to use you because you're not doing what you were called to do. And so we get up here and when we reach success, when we get up here at the top of the ladder, we are isolated, we are alone. But here's the thing, this ladder, as you climb up it, God's calling what he asks you to do gives life. Climbing up this ladder sucks the life right out of you. And so here I am up here in success, and there's only two ways down. I can either jump down or I can climb back down. Both are painful. Because in order for me to truly climb down this ladder to grab what God has for me, I've got to give up fame. I've got to give up influence. I've got to give up power. I've got to give up position. I've got to give up my comfort. I've got to give up money. I've got to give up my security. And I've got to get back to the basis of relying on him. And so what we do is we have this box and we get back to this point and maybe we don't have to worry about climbing the ladder success. Maybe we've been there. Maybe we've walked over here and we've grabbed this. But we still have one more issue. We take what God has called us to do and our ministry that he's called us to do and we take this kingdom stuff and we compare it to a world standard. And so now I've got my ministry. I understand what I'm supposed to do but I'm looking for security in this. I'm looking maybe for money or or for comfort. I'm waiting for a position to fully grab hold of everything that God has asked me to do. They're not giving me power or a platform. And so we get angry at God because we don't have this stuff being met. And so what we do is we lay our little box here at this ladder and we walk away because we are a culture of quitters. We will walk out of jobs. We will walk out of relationships. We will walk out of marriages. We will walk out of things and we will quit the minute things get hard. But I'm going to tell you that the antidote to our discomfort, our antidote to the discouragement, the antidote to all of what's going on here, the frustration of this is not quitting, it's repentance. Repentance means changing the way you think. Changing the way you think says, God, I know that you've given me this and I'm going to trust you with my security. I'm going to trust you with my comfort. I'm going to trust you with my means to live. I'm going to trust you with position. Da, da, da. It does not matter what somebody else is doing or the fruit that's happening in their ministry because I'm content by where you have me doing, God. I'm content where you have me. And if I can be trusted with this little God, 
you will trust me with more. If I can be trusted with you in this, God, you will trust me with more. Worldly success as you climb the ladder says this. Look at me. I've made it. Look at me. Look at Kevin. Woo! Here I am. Kingdom success in ministry says this. I'm not going to give up. This is what this looks like. Kingdom success says all you can see is Jesus. In my ministry, all you see is Jesus. Okay. Paul, he's talking to the, the, the Colossians and he's saying, everything that you've been doing, everything that this is about is to glorify Jesus. Let me tell you something, guys. Your worth and your identity are not found even in what God tells you to do. Your worth and identity is found in who God says you are. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but I was praying during the first service and there is a mother, I don't know who, if there's a mother in here who is a mother who is a stay-at-home mom, I wanna tell you today, I believe that there's a stay-at-home mom that's hearing this, this message that needs to hear that your worth comes from Christ Jesus. Your worth comes from the Lord. And whenever you're trying to work so hard at home, taking care of those babies, and you think that maybe I'm not doing enough because you're at home with the kids, I want to tell you, you are doing just what you're supposed to do because that's what God called you to do. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else and do that well. And God will honor you and he will bless you because your worth and your identity does not come in what you do. Guys, you all are called. I am called. We are called to minister to people. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that about? It is about Christ in you, the hope of glory. What are you called to, what are you called to do? Well, Kevin, I work at a factory. I don't, you know, what am I supposed to do? I work at a factory. I'm there 70 hours a week and I've got all these people around me that, man, they, believe me, they would not step foot in this church. You know, all of these things. Can you, can you get up tomorrow and take the next step and be faithful? Can you be kind when other people are not being kind? Can you show Christ through your actions moment by moment by moment? Don't quit. Don't give up. Let God meet you where you are and begin to open up doors that you need to step in. He is so faithful and he wants to use you. He desires to use you and your abilities have nothing to do with it. It's your willingness and it's your heart. Will you answer his call?